0: Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. You know, one of the greatest frustrations I think could happen to a person is trying to be who you are not wired to be. I think you just create constant frustration in your life trying to be something that you were not shaped to be. Um, I, I love to sing. And, but it has to be in a group. A large group. <laughs> and, and, you know, I grew up going to choir as a kid at church. And, and um, <clears throat> then in, we had a youth choir and we got to travel, and then when I went to college at NC State, there was a varsity men's glee club that you had to audition for, and I auditioned for that and got in it, and it was great. I loved it, and uh, the guy who directed it was a believer, and even at uh, at NC State, and and we were allowed to sing Christian songs, and that was really cool, but he was also the worship pastor at a local church. And, One Sunday, he asked me if I would sing a solo at that church, and I thought, well, if he thinks that I can, I think I will, and I'd never sang a solo before or since. (laughs) I mean, it was not pretty. And, um, I mean, I think angels grew an extra set of wings, you know, their wings that cover their face and their feet and they fly with, I think they grew another set of wings to cover their ears. And, uh, it was, it was just not good. My sister happened to be there, uh, because she just wanted to see this. And she came up to me afterwards with all her support and all of her encouragement and said, you know, Don, I really am thankful God has given you a speaking voice. And that was as good as she could come up with. And I could take that, you know, and I, I realized I, I'm just not meant to do that. And, and, and it would be, fr- I, no amount of uh, voice lessons would change it. And then one day God gave me a son named Mac. And, and then of course his voice was astounding, amazing. And his voice is heard all over the world and there was a while there where I would go, "Are you mocking me now, God? I mean, you know this." this and and but you know, I don't, I didn't do that. I just you know saw it as God's blessing. But here's here's the deal: when I could have tried and taken all these lessons and really try to force being a soloist, but that's not how God shaped me or wired me. And I would have been incredibly frustrated and caused a lot and inflicted a lot of frustration on other people. So when we are operating in our shape in our giftedness, that's when we find true fulfillment. I mean if you if you want to find your sweet spot, you figure out how God has shaped you. And when we talk about shape, we're going to spend the next five weeks talking about that. Today, we're going to talk about, for the S, spiritual gifts. And then next week, we'll talk about H for the heart. P, uh, A for abilities, P for personality, and then E for experience. These are the different tools that God has used to shape you. And God has done that. And when you operate in your shape... In your giftedness, that's where you find fulfillment, that's where you find satisfaction. I had an individual to come up to me after this last service, and she opened up her Bible and said, "You know, you preached on spiritual gifts on this date five years ago, had it written out and had the passages marked?" And she said, "I'd never thought about my spiritual gifts. I figured out what my spiritual gifts were, and I changed careers." I mean, totally went in a whole new direction. And she said, since then, I have been so satisfied, so fulfilled, because I'm operating out of my shape, out of my giftedness. So my desire for you at the end of this series is that you have a better understanding of how God has wired you and that you have the courage to operate in that wiring, in that place that God has created for you. The Bible says in Galatians 6, pay careful attention. Careful attention. You cannot be haphazard about this. You've got to be intent about it. You've got to be focused on it. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For each, we are each responsible for our own conduct. Here's what he's saying. You focus, you very carefully focus on how God has shaped and wired you. And you work in that. Then you will find a sense of satisfaction That you won't find anywhere else. And while you're at it, stop comparing yourself to someone else's shape. Stop looking at someone else's shape and wishing that was true about you. So it's kind of like this God's given you some puzzle pieces, and that's for you. And you are to put your life together with those pieces. And one of the pieces, spiritual gifts, one of it is your heart. One is your abilities, your personalities and your experiences. And you piece together your life. Now, when you start comparing yourself to other people, you start looking on their table and you start saying, oh, I like that piece. I li- I'm going to take that piece from them and try to fit it into my puzzle over here. It never works. You know, it, the worst thing that can happen if you're into, you know, all these uh, puzzles and um, jigsaw puzzles is for the pieces to get mixed in other boxes with other pieces of other puzzles. That's a disaster because it just doesn't work but there's something beautiful that when all the pieces are fitted together, the picture looks exactly like it's supposed to so when you take the pieces that God has given you, nobody else and you piece together your life that God has given you, not to anybody else, that's when you find joy, satisfaction, fulfillment. But as long as you're looking at other, piece, other people's puzzles, you're gonna have a discontentment. I, I wish I could do what they do. I, I wish I could do that. I wish I could. I, you're almost saying to God, God, you gave me the wrong puzzle. You gave me the wrong pieces. No, no he didn't. He knows exactly what he's doing. Now, at Gateway, when we, uh, the staff, the ministers, when we talk about ministry, we talk about things that we do in this church, one of the things we try to always do is define what the win is. You see, you can be running a race, but if you don't know where the finish line is, You may never reach it. And so we try to define the finish line from the very beginning. And so we ask ourselves, what is a win for us? Now, the biggest win at Gateway is when you, when a person accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It doesn't get any bigger than that. When a person prays to receive Christ. And tonight at five, we're going to baptize 15 new people into the faith. And maybe more. There may be some people we're not aware of. In fact, uh, if you've not been baptized, that is your public confession. Uh, Even if you've been a believer a good while and you've never been baptized, now's a great time to do it. And and so just show up with your bathing suit and a t-shirt. We got t-shirts for you. And uh, we would love for you to participate in that. But that's a big win is when you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Doesn't get any bigger than that. That's going from eternal death to eternal life. The, another win is when we worship together. When, when you become a believer and then you start worshiping with the Gateway family, that's a huge win. Because you're now part of the family and you're now worshiping God with us. And one of the ways that we worship God is by being together, encouraging each other. You know, when, when you encourage me or I encourage you, that's worship. When you're touching another person's life, that's worship. That's worship. A third win for us is when you go deeper in a, in a small group. You go deeper in scripture. Uh, you, you learn more about what the Bible says so that your life can adjust to what the Bible says. And you're living a biblical life. Because let's face it, one day we stand before God. And his measuring stick of how he's going to examine our lives is his word. So that's pretty good motivation that I need to know what God's word is. And then the last big win for us is when you begin to minister by using your shape. So it's kind of like going around a baseball diamond. Getting to first base—that's you pray and receive Christ, and you you become a follower of Christ, and we're excited about that. And then, then you get to second base—you're part of worship, and you're learning to worship God with your with your singing, with your actions. And your encouragement to other people, and then third base is going deeper in God's word. That you're really discipling, being discipled as a believer. It's not just something by name; it's something by action. And your heart's going deeper and deeper into into your relationship with God. And then getting to the home plate, and that's when you're actually finding your own ministry and finding out why God really has wired you like like the person I told you in the first service who really discovered how God had wired her and she discovered her ministry. That's like coming home and scoring, big win. And so our goal first is to get you to first base, but eventually we want to get you to home plate. We don't, we don't want to leave anybody stuck on a base somewhere. We want to get everybody around the bases and get you home where you have your own ministry. So here's why your shape is so important. Gateway's ministry is directed by God's purposes, not mine, God's purposes. And it's implemented, God's purposes is implemented through the shape of our ministry. So when we look at different ministries that need to take place, we start asking ourselves, who's gifted for this? Who's wired for this? Who is shaped? For this ministry. And then another reason why it's so important is our pastors, we're administrators, we're equippers, and you're the ministers. If you're a follower of Christ, you're called to ministry. That doesn't mean you work for a church full time, but it means you have a place of ministry. In, in Ephesians 4, listen to how it describes it it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So these are like the leadership roles. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now follow this. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, that's you, to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So if your attitude is, well, we hire the ministers to do the work, that is not a biblical model. It's far from it. You hire the ministers to come and teach and equip the people to do ministry. You know, every major, almost every major ministry in our church is run by one of you. And, and then the minister's roles are to support, encourage, give definition, give direction, to uh, gift, help give the, uh, the, the, uh, the tools that you need. Our, our job is to support. A third reason why shape is so important is that knowing and using your shape will help you in finding and fulfilling the role, the best role for you in ministry. You really cannot do that without knowing your shape. I think it's a hit or miss if you are just stabbing in the dark. And then lastly, the, the result of discovering the ministry you've been shaped for, that's where you find fulfillment. That's where you find fruitfulness. You know, we're told as believers to bear much fruit. The only way you can bear much fruit is by being who God created you to be. This is is just truth. Listen to this truth. If you think your life as a believer means that you just do what makes you happy and makes you fulfilled, you will have very limited fruit in your life. One day you will stand before holy God And he has invested in you certain things. And he's going to ask an accounting for what he has invested in you. You know, one of the purposes of Gateway is that we live for others. That's one of our purposes. And and that's a a big win for us when you discover your unique spiritual uh, shape for ministry, and and you commit to develop it, and you commit to use it, you use those God-given gifts and abilities to serving God and serving others through your church family. And secondly, when I select and begin serving in ministry in my church, that best expresses what God has made me to be. That's why we give lots of freedom in this church that explore, try different things. And if it doesn't work, then quit and go try something else. We want you to discover where your passion is. So uh, I guess when we talk about ministry so much, we should take a moment and really define what ministry is. And let me just give you three quick definitions. Ministry is using whatever God has given you to serve him and to meet the needs of others. Did you get that part? You're serving God and then you're meeting the needs of others. That's ministry. And in fact, we actually minister in three different directions. We minister to God. We minister to the Lord. We minister to other believers. That's in Hebrews chapter six. Uh, It says, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Hmm. I show my love for God. I show my hard work for God. By the way, I care for other believers. And then, lastly, ministry is directed towards non believers. Jesus said, You're the salt of the earth. So, we're to minister to non believers. And then, one last thought about ministry people have physical needs, people have emotional needs, and people have spiritual needs. And we're to help in all three areas. Uh, You know, the backpacks, for example. That was meeting a physical need. But as people would come by and pick up their backpacks, we would talk to them and ask them, do you have any prayer requests? You'd be amazed at how people would share prayer requests. So that usually reveals emotional needs and certainly spiritual needs. So you do one to get at the others. And uh, you, you see, if a person has a physical need... In fact, the Bible talks about that. If you just go up to somebody and say, I want you to be blessed by God, but you see that they're hungry and you don't feed them, that's a waste. You see that they're, they need clothes and you don't clothe them, that's a waste. You, you meet the physical needs in order to help with the emotional and spiritual needs. So here's some truths about spiritual gifts, and this is why this is so important. A couple of things to know about. Number one, only believers have spiritual gifts. You're not born with it. You're born with abilities and you're born with talents. You're, you know, you're born with certain attributes, but spiritual gifts, not one of them. When you pray to receive Christ, that's when you receive the Holy Spirit. And that's when you received your spiritual gifts. Now you might not be aware of that spiritual gift for quite some time, but that's when you got it. The Bible says in first Corinthians, but people who aren't spiritual Cannot receive these truths from God's Spirit. In other words, those who are not believers cannot receive truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they cannot understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So he's drawing a distinction between believers and non believers. Secondly, every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. First Corinthians again, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So every believer has one, at least one spiritual gift. Now a little side note there, what Paul was saying, I think Paul was saying, uh, being single is actually a spiritual gift. I think. There is, for some people, a calling to be single, and that's a spiritual gift. For whatever reason that a person may be called to be single, uh, that's God gives a giftedness for that person to be able to do that because it's it's not easy. So Paul's not saying everybody needs to be single. He's just saying this is my spiritual gift. But based on what I do and how I live. It's best that I'm single. And he was kind of saying, I wish everybody could be single and give hundred percent of their time to ministry and not be sidetracked by other things. But you know, he said, but that's not the way it is. He said, yet every person has a special gift. So everybody has at least one spiritual gift. Every Christian number three, no one receives all the gifts. No one never has, never will. All of you together are Christ's body. All of you together are the spiritual gifts. And each of you is a part of it. And then he goes on to talk about the different parts of it. But you are a part of a big body and you have a specific role and your job is to be your part. Be your part of the body. Don't try to be a different part of the body. Because you're missing out on how God's wired you. Number four, no single gift, think about this, no single gift is given to every single believer. There's not a common single gift that everybody has. We all need each other. Number five, you cannot earn or work for a spiritual gift. Ephesians 4, 7. However, he has given each, and talking about the Holy Spirit, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. You cannot earn it. It's at his discretion. In fact, number six is the Holy Spirit decides what gifts I receive. So I cannot bargain with God. I cannot say, God, hey, if you'll give me this ability, then I'll do this for you. It doesn't work that way. It's at his discretion based on his will And let's face it, he's the one that made you, so he knows how he's wired you. He's gonna give you the perfect gift for you. Verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 12, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So my role as the pastor is to not give you a spiritual gift. I don't have that authority. But I can point out what I think your spiritual gift might be, but then you've got to test that, and you've got to figure out if that's from the Lord or not. And that's what we do for each other. I mean it's perfectly okay for you to go up to somebody and say, you know what, I've been observing you and you you really seem to be gifted this way. And I want to encourage you in that. And 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 if that is God's gifted in you, I, I, I encourage you to use it because it seems evident to me. It's perfectly good to say that. So I I cannot pray for certain spiritual gifts. That doesn't work. That's a prayer God's not gonna answer because that's not how it works because the word tells me how it works. The Holy Spirit alone at his discretion decides what gifts you get. Number seven, the gifts I'm given are permanent for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Now, let me give you some thoughts about that one. They're permanent, but they can go dormant if I misuse them or don't use them. It's kind of like a muscle. If I stop working a muscle, that muscle always is there, but it grows weak, and it diminishes. So when you know what your spiritual gift is and you intentionally choose not to use it, It's still there, and you're going to have it the rest of your life, and you're going to be accountable for it for your whole life, but it becomes dormant. Your job is to work that muscle, is to work that spiritual gift, and to use it for God's glory. So it is permanent. Number eight, I am to develop and I am to mature the gifts God has given me. That's my job, is to develop and mature the gift. Verse uh, Timothy uh, 4.14 Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Do not neglect your spiritual gift. Another word for that is do not sin by neglecting your spiritual gift. It is a sin to neglect God's giftedness in your life. Why would you even do that? Why would you choose as a believer not to focus on how God has wired you? So if you're a student, the next time somebody asks you, what are you gonna do with your life? What What are you gonna major in? Have you chosen a major yet? Maybe you need to start answering this way. Say, well, I'm trying to to figure out how God has shaped me and how he wants to use me. Wow, that's a great answer. And then you can say, hey, would you pray for me that I would figure out what God wants me to do with my life? Because I want to tell you, here's the opposite of that. You choosing to do what you think will make you happy You choosing to do what you think will make you wealthy, that's a dead end. It will not work, it will not satisfy. I'm to develop and mature the gifts God has given me. Number nine, listen to this. I've said it several times, but here it is now in writing. It's a sin and poor stewardship to waste the gifts God has given me. In 1 Corinthians 4, it says, So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's ministry. That's our gifting. That's our job But we're just servants. We're not the bosses. We're not the special people. We're not on a pedestal. We're mere servants. It doesn't matter what your role is, what God has given you. See, sometimes we look at some gifts that are a little more public or uh, more in the spotlight or they're more visible, and and we're impressed with that part that is more out front and visible. Don't be impressed with that. I think that's why Paul said, we're just mere servants. And we've been in charge of putting this together. Now it says, now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. And you can go on and on. A person who's been charged as a teacher must be faithful. A person who's been charged with hospitality must be faithful. A person who's charged with generosity must be faithful. You just keep on going down the list. We're not here to impress each other. And when you're trying to get in the limelight with your spiritual gift, you're here to impress people, and God's not impressed with that. Your job is to serve holy God. And don't worry about who gets the credit. Now, if you really want to dig deeper into this, I've got a passage there. It's 15 verses, 1 Corinthians 3. We're not going to read that now, but that's something you can go back and study that. I want to get to number 10. Using my gifts honors God. You could almost put a period right there. When I use my spiritual gifts, it's honoring God. And it grows me. I mature when I use my spiritual gifts. The more I use my gifts to honor God and to serve others, That pleases God, and that matures me. So listen to what I'm about to say. I think the opposite is also true. When you don't use your spiritual gifts, I think it's absolutely impossible to honor God. And I think it's absolutely impossible for you to grow. You cannot separate your spiritual gifts out from that equation. The only way that you can honor God, the only way that you can grow, is in light of your spiritual gifts. John, here's what Jesus said in John 15 Jesus said, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings greater glory to my Father. You see how Jesus put that together? He's basically saying when you use your spiritual gifts, you are actually showing that you're my disciple. And you are bringing great glory to God the Father because you're producing great fruit, much fruit. So the other thing I want to suggest to you, apart from your spiritual gift, I believe it is impossible to bear fruit for God. I feel pretty strong about that one. Apart from God and using your spiritual gifts, it is impossible to bear fruit for him. Because here's the deal. When you come to the end of your life, you're gonna stand before a holy God and just like the different servants that certain things were invested in them when the owner, the master came back he wanted to see what the return was on his investment and see God has invested you, invested in you a spiritual gift. And so the day's going to come, it's going to happen where you're going to stand before Holy God. He said, okay, Don, I invested these spiritual gifts in you. What kind of return I, do I have on my investment? What kind of fruit did you bear as a result of those spiritual gifts I invested in you? Now he already knows the answer. You see, it's all going to be tied up. When God tests you, when, God, when you stand before him, it's all tied up in your spiritual gifts because that's the only means by which you can bear fruit for him. That should make you very serious about wanting to know what your spiritual gift is. So here's my conclusion. My shape and spiritual gifts are not for my benefit, but they're for the benefit of others. They're for the benefit of others. Hey, I'll, I want you to do something. Um, if you got your phone with you, pull your phone out and go to your app store. And I want you to type in spiritual gifts test. And I want you to look for the one that looks like this. I know the guy that made this test and, it, and I feel pretty confident about this one. None of them are 100%. Uh, So none of them are foolproof, but it'll give you a good clue. Doesn't cost anything. Download that app, take the test and see what it tells you. And then you test it. You test it by going to God and say, Lord, uh, this test reveals these things about my spiritual gifts. Is this accurate or not? And, you know, God, and, and listen, when you take the test, don't answer it based on what you hope is true. Based on what is true. Don't base it on, well, I wish I was this way. Because then you're going to get a false test result. So when you take it, <clears throat> take it before a holy God and say, Lord, um, show me if this is accurate or not. And, and maybe even talk to some trusted friends who are believers and say, hey, I took the spiritual gift test. And, and I mean, I, I'll have people do that. And I'll have them to take this test. I said, send me the results. Especially if I know them well and they'll send me the results and I can either say, oh yeah, this is, yeah, I totally agree with this. I see these things in you. Or sometimes I said, you know, I'm, I am feel really confident about these two, but this third one I'm not so sure about. But it may be because it's dormant in your life and you just not have matured it or not, you know, so we, we see and, uh, and then you start using them. You start growing them and maturing them. And just like a muscle, the only way to grow it and mature it is to use it. And then allow God to show you. And then, and then call one of the pastors and say, hey, here are my spiritual gifts. Where can I use them in the fellowship? And then that's our job is to help you find that place to find your sweet spot to use your spiritual gift. So you can explore. So that's our ministry to you. No believer should go without knowing their spiritual gifts. So the next five weeks, I hope it causes you to think very differently about your life. Let's pray.